0: Welcome to the Social Media Entrepreneur's Podcast, teaching you how to become a full-time entrepreneur by leveraging modern social media strategies. I'm your host, Derek Fidel, and today I'm joined by Ashley Klein, the founder of AshleyKlein.com. And uh, she is a digital marketing agency owner for the last 16 years who specializes in influencer marketing, social referral marketing. If you don't know what that is, you're going to know exactly what it is by the end of today's episode. And she was just telling me about some of the influencer marketing that she's done, where it goes all the way from sending products to... Uh, For free to influencers to post for them, Uh, even paying, I think you said six figures to some influencers to make just a single YouTube video for you for the really big players. So she knows everything about that. We're going to dive in. So, all of you big companies are going to get something, but small companies that are just looking to get started with influencer marketing, you're going to know exactly what to do by the end of today's episode. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ashley. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you doing, Derek?
0: I'm doing awesome. Can't wait to get into whatever we're going to get into. Uh, Honestly, this information is always really important for me because it's an area of expertise that I don't know. So I am very curious. Uh, Before we get into the bulk of the episode, though, just give a short intro to you, where you live, and random hobby. Uh,
1: Oh, random hobby. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Just made that up off the top of my head. We'll see how it goes and see if I ask that again.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, thanks again for having me on, Derek. My name is Ashley Klein, and I live in Huntington Beach, California, uh, which is Orange County, south of LA, north of San Diego. Um, random hobby. Oh, so I love to study herbs and adaptogens. So I like to make my own like special teas and everything every day from scratch. I guess that's okay. kind of a Unique hobby. Yeah.
0: Nice, yeah, definitely. I I was like processing the word adaptogen. I was like, "What does that mean exactly? (laughs) What does it mean?"
1: It's essentially just if you've heard of people like taking reishi mushrooms or lion's manes. It's just Uh herbs and supplements that you know can really help heal your body.
0: Okay, nice, nice. You got a tea with you then? I do. Oh, sweet. (laughs) I've heard that you should have a tea before doing any podcast episode because it makes your voice a lot better. I forgot mine today, but. Uh, I'll fix it in post.
1: I like to have something warm for my throat.
0: So obviously the founder of AshleyKlein.com. And the first thing I want to mention is I actually really like that you don't have this specific business name. You said, I've never really had a business name. And I think this is a step that everyone finds super important. But obviously there's uh, more to say about just getting started even for like, I don't don't care, I'll just call it MyName.com. And let's just get the ball rolling because I think some people are like, I haven't figured out a name yet. And they're like stuck at that step. So yeah. um, just speak to that real quick. What, what have you found uh, are some things that people overvalue in business? And um, that, has this been an issue for you in any way or no regrets calling it com.
1: Oh, it's definitely been an issue. Not calling it com, but exactly what you said, overthinking A brand and thinking like, I need this logo, I need this color scheme. And that is just not what I wanted to spend my time doing. So when I first started freelancing, consulting, maybe about 16, 17 years now ago, I I came up with a name and I spent all this time creating a logo and just getting caught up in things that were not important. (laughs) Not to say that those things are not important, but to me it wasn't. And it wasn't helping me grow my business necessarily. And I found after a couple of years that all I had to do was do good work and network. And those people would tell their friends and it just created this landslide of business for me. And that's all I had to do was focus on doing good work that people wanted to brag about to their other friends and creating this logo and getting caught up in color schemes and all of that just, you know, wasn't the bang that I needed. So I just, your
0: initial branding really just should be that you have a great product or service and they're not going to be like, I mean, she's got a great service, but I just did not like the fonts that she used, like
1: exactly got
0: the job done. Uh, that matters so much more.
1: For many years, I didn't even have a website or anything. So it's just, yeah, I've kept it kind of word of mouth. And I like that.
0: And have you done some other ventures over the last 16 years? Or have you focused uh, on just agency and consulting work?
1: Absolutely. So my
0: crypto portfolio.
1: Yeah, I like (laughs) to call it. uh, So if anyone has ever read this book, if not, I highly recommend it. It's called The Desire Map. Uh, by Danielle Laporte, I think I'm saying her name correctly. And essentially what it is, it's a workbook and, you know, give yourself a few days to go through it. And when you get to the end of this workbook, you've done all this work on your full life. And at the end of this workbook, you have like three to five, what she calls core desired feelings, like things that you want to wake up and feel every day to feel like your life is fulfilling. And one of those words, uh, and I like to redo this workbook every few years because we evolve, we change, priorities change in our life. But every time I've done this, the one word that always comes up for me is freedom. And at different times in my career and life, that means different things. So when I first got started in consulting, freelancing, freedom was like financial freedom to me. I didn't want a ceiling on my income. Um, I wanted to be able to kind of do things the way that I wanted to do to achieve financial freedom. Um, as I got older, as I had children, all those things, uh, it became time freedom. And as I reached a level of financial freedom, time freedom in my career, that evolved into what I call opportunity freedom. And I've, I've kind of tried to stay out of this mindset and it took me a while to get there of, you know, freelancing, consulting, um, nine to five job. And I kind of do this hybrid and it's what works for me. So, in, in some sometimes some cases I will have an actual, you know, maybe a W2 employment opportunity because all the benefits, everything aligns for me. And the opportunity—it's more than like having a nine-to-five. Um, and a lot of times, I wouldn't accept a W-2 that is a nine-to-five, of uh, just to keep that obviously that freedom. But there's other benefits there that align to a bigger goal with my career. So in some cases, I'll be consulting at the same time, but also be exploring, you know, W-2 opportunity, and also you know working with people that have great ideas, people I love working with building new business ventures at the same time. So my whole kind of philosophy with whatever it is that I do, sometimes I like to say just identifying as preneur, entrepreneur, solopreneur, and intrapreneur, which is someone who can come into a company and kind of build up a a role or a position or a department that doesn't exist yet. So.
0: And uh, how do you feel about those entrepreneur opportunities? Are they salary or are they some kind of incentive-based pay? Do you always need that incentive-based pay going on?
1: For me personally, yes. I like, you know, if it has a base salary, great, but there's also got to be some sort of incentive opportunity um, or you might not find the right person to come in and be that entrepreneur because- entrepreneurs at heart are going to have that, like, there's a bigger game here for me. Yeah, Um, So I think you'd have to have both or at least full opportunity scale.
0: Yeah. I think that's the entrepreneur test there is, are you willing to work with just a fixed amount, no matter how good of the work you do, because it really is betting on yourself in every scenario and you want to have some kind of motivation to uh, actually strive for Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. When you first had W2 opportunities, like she's doing like a nine to five and then she does six to nine consulting. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: not exactly. Okay,
0: got it. Yeah, as long as it's uh, incentive-based and it still feels like there's some kind of game going on. May I ask real quick, do you maybe have ADHD? Because a lot of entrepreneurs that talk like that often do have that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I at least nothing diagnosed. I mean, I sometimes do get that shiny object syndrome and that's something I've had to train myself really over the past few years is being, you know, very true to myself, knowing, you know, what I say yes to, because at the time it sounds nice financial reward, but then I have to think, okay, does this align to my ultimate career goals that I want to be at 20, 30 years from now? And in my gut, I know. So uh, I can learn to say no, uh, it's taken me a while to get there. And really, I've been able, if it is like a tad bit ADHD, ADHD, I've been able to overcome that by getting super clear on my life path, my full life path, not just my yeah. Path. Uh,
0: yeah, you really don't have any focus problems once you're on that right path. It's almost like it goes away, but you just have to be on that. It, it more kicks in when you're in elementary school and you have to go to the subject you don't want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're just getting started in your career, freelancing, consulting. And I think that's okay. There's a lot of opportunities coming in and you want to say yes to everything because it is hard to turn down, you know, that financial opportunity, especially when you're new and you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from. And I think that's okay for a while because it allows you to explore and kind of try different things and really find out what you're good at. And that's an important piece of play to figure out where you want to go long-term. So I would say, you know, if you're new to it, go ahead for the next two, three, five years, try all kinds of things until you figure out what you're really good at and what you enjoy doing.
0: Which goes back to our original conversation on just getting started because you just can't figure everything out until you've at least started on things and figured out, oh, I actually don't want to do video editing for people or writing blogs. You just need to start so that you can start closing some doors uh, um, and then find the open ones. Uh, So let's go right into influencer marketing. Uh, There's mostly a lot of newer businesses listening to this. And I would say the majority are e-commerce, although we've got digital education people out there, even some realtors and professional service people like that. But it, it it's mostly e commerce. So tell me, someone who's got roughly a thousand followers, they're getting decent engagement, they've got a few sales, they're like a five figure business right now. So they know they've got some products that work and they'd like to expand out. How do you go about finding the initial influencers to work with?
1: Sure. So, first thing I would do uh, is start with your existing database of customers people who have already purchased your product and hopefully, probably really like your product. I would first engage with them because they're familiar with you and there's a level of trust there. And just uh, explore those opportunities and see, okay, um, are they willing to share it with their friends for some sort of incentive? So I would start with your existing database for sure. It could be as simple um as sending an email to them and maybe it's served up in a survey ask them a few questions about their experience did they enjoy their product and at the end of the survey encourage them to share for an, a, re- a reward of some sort um but start there and i think sometimes with the word influencer we like to think like they've have got to have that verified check mark next to their name and that is not the case we've had Uh, with the clients that I've worked with in the past, we've had so much success with these um, micro influencers and people who would never even categorize themselves as an influencer. They don't even need to be on social. Everyone has friends and family. And just because they're not posting on social doesn't mean they're not texting like crazy with their friends and family all day long. So first you kind of want to, demystify that idea of what an influencer is. Anyone who's bought your product can be an influencer for your brand. They can be an advocate. They can be out there telling other people. So I would start there and that's the cheapest, easiest way to get started. Just send an email, see who's interested. And, you know, maybe it's more free product. Maybe it's, you know, a gift card. It kind of depends on, you know, what your business is and if people can become a repeat customer, Um, but start there. And yeah, from there, we can evolve that campaign.
0: Okay, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I, I like how you said it, anyone is an influencer that owns your product because they have influence on their immediate circle. And um, are you using a program to create a, a referral code to, to give them out? Or are you just saying, hey, tell, a, tell them to tell us uh, Sherry sent you and we'll get you back?
1: Yeah, great question. So if you're working with an existing database, uh, there's actually a company that I co founded called icecreamsocial.io. And it's a refer- referral sharing widget that can essentially be bolted onto any checkout flow. And so, what we found is number one, one of the best times to ask people to share with their friends is the second they made that purchase. So, on the confirmation page, because that's when they're most excited. Uh, they've got a level of anticipation. Um, there's a level of trust. They've just given you their money. Um, so that's a great time to ask them to invite their friends. And so essentially ice cream social. And there's you know, other things out there that you could use. And again, you could do this like just via email. Um, but this will allow people to create a unique tracking link. So that's essentially how we'll do it. Um, and send their friends a promo code. The promo code could be generic. It could be unique, um, but essentially it's a referral tracking link. And we like to gamify it because we found that that is um, more successful than what we've seen with just saying, hey, if you get one friend to buy, we'll give you a $10 gift card. What we found is, hey, if you get five friends to buy, we'll give you a really big reward, whether it's free product, a refund. A gift card, but something that's a bigger reward. Because when you're asking people to get five friends to buy, oftentimes they're inviting at least like eight to 12 people. And those are all people coming back to your website. Even if they don't buy, at least you're able to pixel them and, you know, remarket to them in other ways, maybe capture their email address, maybe run retargeting ads. Um, So I think that's a a great place um, to start is upping your reward level. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear?
0: I think that's uh, definitely uh, a great idea to to get five people on it. And like you said, they're going to send it out to a bunch of people knowing that I have to get five of them to purchase. So they're going to get creative there. Uh, are these, uh, typically does this work best with products that like everyone is a market? Like they're not as much niche products as I know for niche products, it might be more difficult for people to get five friends to buy.
1: Um, it could be, but if you think about it, Even for a niche product, the best place for you to find uh, other customers is your database because they probably know other people who like your niche product. The other, you know, I guess depending what it is, they probably have friends that would like it. Um, So, yes, uh, for a tool like that to work, it is going to vary on a few things, the industry, how much traffic's coming to your website, um, your current database. So there are those factors that you do have to consider. Um, there is also just the traditional route of influencer marketing um, where you're not tapping into your existing database because maybe you don't have one yet. Um, maybe you're still kind of proving out that product. Then there is that avenue of, of course, talking directly to influencers, I I guess if I'm using, shoot, I'm using bunny ears, but if you're listening to this, um, but influencers that you would go on their Instagram, their TikTok and say, oh, this person's an influencer. They have a following. And if you're looking to get started there, um, I've worked on the side of representing both an agency who's reaching out to these influencers And I've also represented the side of the influencer who's getting all these incoming messages. So the best word of advice that I can give you is before you go and pitch all these influencers, ask them if, even if you think you're giving them free products, so that's really great, who would say no to that? You still need to really get to know these influencers. So I would come up with a list of maybe a dream 25 that you would want to work with, and make sure you're following all of them. And I would spend a month or two engaging with them, having conversation, commenting on all their posts. I'm really trying to build that relationship before asking them to try your product. Um, I know you might think you have the upper hand because you're giving away free product, um, but really, these influencers get pitched all day long and they're just going to ignore it if you don't build a relationship with them. So I would start there. Very grassroots.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I, I think in 2015, that message of the free product might've been received well and the the, uh, yeah. the company had the upper hand, but now it, they probably won't even look into your product if, if you just go with the pitch right away. So, what does this, uh, what do these influencers typically look like that are at the level where you can just trade a product for a shout out? I also know it matters, uh, how expensive your product is, but, um, how would you go about saying, all right, this person, 7k, our items, 80 bucks. Like that sounds like a, an, an even deal.
1: Yeah. So it gets a a little more sticky. You want to look at things like their engagement rates. You know, how many followers do they have versus how many, what's the average engagement they're getting on a post? You want to see something like at least over a one or 2% engagement rate there. And, you know, honestly, you can have really great success with someone who might just have like 1500 followers. So if it's a free product, it's under a hundred dollars especially if it's niche, you're probably, you know, maybe between 1500 and 7,000 followers somewhere in that window. Um, and again, it really depends on the influencer and how much they value themselves and their audience. If they're just getting started or they're kind of new to the game, they are more apt to take more free product, um, until they've gotten to a point where they've realized, okay, they can take free product and charge. Um, so you just got to, uh, it's, it, Kind of a numbers game. So that's why you want to have a list, build that relationship. And when you do pitch them, you want it to be something that feels organic, a custom pitch to them and not even a pitch, make it a conversation. Hey, I noticed that, you know, you use this kind of product all day long. That's actually what I have. And I'd love for you to try it and just have a conversation that way.
0: usually have some messaging going on before that though yeah, okay, absolutely. Gotcha. And what is the instructions that you give them after you, you give them a product? You just kind of leave it up to them. They're the content creator. They'll figure it out. I want this to be totally organic. So if they're gonna post about it, like however, they were gonna do it, great. Or do you ever say, here's some key talking points and make sure to send them to the website?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You want to set this person up to win? Uh, and make it as easy as possible for them to share. So first off, if you're going to send them product, uh, take the time with your packaging, uh, make it feel unique and special in a way that they may want to do an unboxing of the product when they're opening it. Inside of that, I would do a custom handwritten card that says, hey, thank you. We really hope you love our product. We really want your feedback. Let us know. Um, If you feel compelled to share, we would love that. This is our handle. This is our hashtag. And yeah, maybe include an insert of a few key benefits and talking points. Do not make them go to the website and do the research. Give it to them up front. Make it as easy as possible for them to share. Because if they don't have that information readily available, you don't want them to go spend an hour researching and coming up with a post because this is free product. They're not getting paid to do it. And they might say things that are off-brand for you. Um, And if there are any big no-nos of like, do not say this, you also want to make sure you outline that too.
0: I like that a lot. So putting it in the note, when they receive the product is the best place to put the instructions rather than as soon as they say, yeah, sure. Send it over. Here's my address. Then you don't say, all right, here's the talking points. Cause they don't even have it yet. It's not the the
1: exact. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to frame it up as like, Hey, we would love if you share this, you can't force them. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to consider disclosures, you know, they can, you are still giving them free product, which does have some sort of monetary value to it. So, um, if you want them to include a disclosure hashtag, sometimes it can be as simple as hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored. Um, be sure to include that as well. And yeah, make it easy because if you send them to the directions in a DM, as soon as they agree to it, maybe it takes seven days for them to get the product in their hand. By that time, you gotta hope they got to go back, scroll through, find the message from you. And again, you want to make it so easy. If you really want that content to be shared, you need to package it up tie it with a bow and make it so easy for them to share.
0: That makes a lot of sense with the uh, upgraded packaging so that they want to do an unboxing uh, or at least just so they're excited about sharing it. It will start with them actually having an emotional response to receiving the product to want to share it. They're not just gonna be like, oh yeah, well, I guess I, I have to. And even if they do do it, then It's not going to be the post that you want they're not going to talk about it uh, with the excitement level and what about using these as paid ads later or even taking the video and putting it as a testimony on your website what needs to be done before you could do that
1: sure so you will need to ask them and have some sort of documented permission uh, if it is an exchange for free product, you know after they post it, maybe you have a conversation with them in a DM. Need it in, in hand, written writing that they approve you to use this ad, um, and then screenshot that, save it, document it because you never know when you might need that, um, and you might need to ask them to send you like the original files or um, typically. I don't know. It depends on, you know, how new they are to being an influencer, but a lot of times people won't agree to that. Um, the people who do agree to that, you're usually paying for it uh, a lot of times. So um, in those cases, there will be a contract that outlines usage rights. Um, there's one company, uh, a popular medical device brand that I worked with. And uh, in our influencer contracts, a lot of times, we would have rights to the content to use it in our advertising. Um, And depending how savvy the influencer was, they would come back and say, you're allowed to use this video, but only for six months or only for one year. Um, So you just want to make sure that uh, whatever deal that you conjure up, that you have those rights outlined. If it is um, indefinitely forever usage, you just want to be very clear about that in your contracts. And, and
0: this is after they post about it.
1: Um well,
0: when it's the free product, I guess it it, it changes. Yeah, and- when
1: it's the free product, it's yeah, you may not need to get that granular. Um but sometimes I won't really agree to that. It just it kind of depends because at at that point if they're taking free product, it's kind of the wild wild west. Neither of you really know what you're doing yet in terms of influencer marketing. So it's kind of playing around. But as you evolve, a lot of times um, before an influencer ever makes a piece of content or agrees to, all of that is in the contract for them to review before they ever get started. Um, And sometimes it includes things what we call whitelisting. So what whitelisting means is, um, you've probably seen this, where they will tag it Tag their posts as a paid sponsorship, and or a paid partnership with, and it'll name the brand. So that would be you, the listener. You would be the brand that they're in a paid partnership with. And what that actually does on the back end, it is it allows you to put ad spend behind their post if they agree to it. There's an extra toggle that they have to switch over, agreeing to let you do that. But that can also be a really great opportunity because. Now, when you use their content as an ad, it's running directly through their profile, which gives you even more of that third-party credibility rather than taking their content and posting it to your profile.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That would definitely be the best way to go about it with the paid partnership label. Yes. And uh, what have you seen for the the people who accept the free product, what's an average percentage of how many of them, them post about? It? I'm sure it varies per product, but what's like a target metric that people should shoot for? I think sometimes it, like it, it could be like 50% is good and people will go out there and they'll get 50% and they'll be really disappointed on it. So it's good to just know like what's a good metric to shoot for because sometimes people are above average when they're disappointed in, in, in it.
1: Yeah, it, I would say I would base that on the effort you put into the packaging so if you put minimal effort you ship them free products straight from your warehouse you're not sure what goes in the box or not you're not putting any kind of custom message to it then hey maybe you're looking at a 30 percent success rate if you take the time to package it very nicely handwritten notes all of that making it so easy for them, then you could be looking at a 70, 80% success rate. Um so I would say, you know, it is more of what I would call that gorilla grassroots marketing. Like you just take the time and um be thoughtful about it. And it's a lot of work when you're getting started, but it will have that compound snowball effect um, if you do it right in the beginning. If you do it um so much if you don't do it right in the beginning um, there's also a lot of forums where all these influencers talk and share all these pitches and products they get and be like oh my gosh have you seen this pitch how terrible is this or how many of you got this product so um, you do want to put your best foot forward
0: how do you find influencers do you have some programs that you use and do you have free methods as well
1: Hey, Bar & Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar & Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! So there are a lot of great tools out there. Um, in my opinion, sometimes it's not always worth the bang for the buck because you're paying for a tool, but then you still have to do all the work. The tool will help you find the influencer, but then you still have to pay the influencer, um, do all the work to find them. Usually the way that I've worked with influencers is one, it's at a very grassroots. Like you're just doing your own searching on Instagram and TikTok, following the right people, um, making sure their content aligns with your values. Cause you also don't want to get in a situation where um, you're working with an influencer. We've, you know, in the past, we've worked with influencers. A lot of times there were kids. We did a lot of, um, you know, teenagers, working with teenagers and they have a great following, but then shoot, three months down the road, they made a really big mistake that's resulted in a lot of bad publicity, which then reflects poorly on your brand. So it's also in your best interest to make sure you follow and get to know these people for a while before engaging with them. So that's just something to think about um, as well. But I prefer the grassroots search and find them yourselves, try hashtags, you know, follow similar brands, um, that create products that you do and see who's following them. That's a great way to find them. Um, and then when I've worked with really large influencers, a lot of times, um, we've had a dedicated internal person in agency whose whole role is influencer relations and they've spent their whole life their whole career building these relationships with bloggers back when they were just called bloggers instead of influencers. Um, and a lot of that, it's just, it's kind of like journalism. You've got your relationships and you've built them over time. Um, so that's usually, um, I find that to be a better route than you know, paying for a tool. So I'd either do it yourself, good old search and find it, um, or work with someone who does influencer relations who already has established relationships.
0: That makes sense. I think uh, for niche products, if someone's selling like an aquarium gear, maybe it's not hard to find an influencer if they just like look through the aquarium tags. But when it comes down to art or clothing, where it's like everyone buys it, but I'm, I'm looking for someone who likes my specific art style, which can't even be defined as like, oh yeah, it's just abstract. Like people will be some kind of modern abstract but it's just them like is the the niche it's like where it can be hard to find the influencers but going through similar brands followers i like that a lot that would probably be the best way for them to go about it um if there's not like obvious hashtags to to find your market through
1: yeah and hashtags can be tricky because they just get spammy and the content isn't associated correctly so yeah i would find You know, you may be very unique, but there's still going to be art people that, you know, influence you or um, attract the same kind of person. So great place to start.
0: By the way, going back to the paid partnership label, I remember a question that I had in the back of my mind. I I couldn't remember it. So I had to come up with a random question. Um, But uh, I was going to ask, do you ever do a commission split where like you make this ad and however much it sells will give you a percentage of it? Or is it always better to just do a straight up, we'll pay you this much for permission to use it as an ad?
1: Uh, Sure. So we'll also do a commission split In some cases, and when you see influencers saying things like, oh, use my promo code to get 30% off. A lot of times that is a commission split. They're getting um, an affiliate income for that. Uh, And, you know, I work a lot in the event industry. So a lot of times, you know, if an artist that's headlining an event is letting us run ads through their account to promote the event, we will use an affiliate link. So of course they're getting paid obviously a fee to perform at the event. Plus they're getting a cut of any sales that they directly bring into the event. Um, so yeah, a lot of times we'll do both.
0: Do you have a preferred way of going about it?
1: Um, no, I mean, a lot of times if we know that the influencer can deliver, we're happy to give them a promo code because that makes their audience excited, um, to have a promo code and, makes them feel special so we like either route really it's a win-win if they're bringing in sales
0: with the promo code you just have to give them that the one time and they'll probably just keep posting about it in the future exactly. right with yeah. the other one you're just paying for it and then it's done but with the promo code if they get some sales they're they're gonna keep creating yes. content
1: yes I think one of the really important things to keep in mind is when an influencer posts about your product, you may see a spike in sales that day, you might not, but that will be gone. It lasts for a couple hours and then it's gone. So you need to make sure that you do secure the some sort of rights to reuse, reshare that content because you need to do everything you can to extend the shelf life of that third-party credibility content. Um, so you need to be able to reshare on your social insert it into email newsletters, have a review, that sort of thing. So you, you need to think about that because it won't be, um, it's not going to save your business. It's not going to drive your sales day to day. It's going to be a blip on the map and you got to make sure that you know how to extend that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like sometimes it might start with you pay for just the, the post right up and then the affiliate code is immediately after that you give them if it goes well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if it goes well and, um, that influencers audience may ask that influencer, Hey, do you got promo code? And then that influencer might come back and say, Hey, my fans love this. I'd love to do more. Can I get a promo code?
0: So with ice cream social, is this something that you recommend for any level of business? And can you tell me uh, a little bit more about how someone would get started with using that?
1: Sure. So if you're interested, you can visit icecreamsocial.io, not .com. And essentially, it's great for businesses that sell something online. Um, it works really, really well in the event industry. Um, it can work really well with e-commerce products. You do essentially want some sort of established sales coming through. Um, if you do have a database of existing customers Um, it can work really well for you as well. Um, So something that, yeah, people are excited to share. If you got a great product, it works. Um, If you have an audience of customers that you haven't figured out how to tap yet, um, it can really help kind of propel that and kind of grow your company um, by being able to reach out to them and give them some sort of um, gamified reward. Um so it won't work if you don't have any sales coming in at all um but if you do have an established kind of steady stream of sales coming through even if it is small it can be a great way to engage your existing audience
0: and it lives on the checkout page or as uh, the thank you page once they're done purchasing they have the opportunity to share right then and it sounds like it integrates with Shopify WooCommerce all, all of the major platforms and what's the other capability that it gives them? Uh, Is it what you were talking about earlier with emailing your customers to give them a a referral code?
1: Yeah, so essentially the widget can live, yes, on that confirmation checkout page, that's where we recommend you put it. Some companies cannot because they've got other things going on on their confirmation page. Um, But we also recommend that you embed it on another page of your website, like yourdomainname.com forward slash rewards or referrals. And um, we can drive people there in an email blast on. We have some clients that run social ads directly to it or your organic social media content. You can drive people directly to the widget itself without having to make a purchase um, first. Uh, So it can live in a few different areas. And essentially what it does is just facilitate that trackable share. So whether they want to share it on Facebook Instagram, email, SMS, WhatsApp, all those capabilities are built in um, and it it just will tie into whatever store you're using and you'd still create the promo code within your store the way that you always do and um, it connects to the store um, and tracks it all. And then on the back end, you can see it's also a great way to identify who your bigger influencers are because you can see who shared it how many clicks they brought back to your website, what platform they're sharing it on, and you know how many sales they brought in for you. So at that point, some of our clients look at it and say, oh, we should reach out to Sally because she's brought in quite a few sales for us. Maybe she'd like to do a content campaign as well and kind of expand that influencer role.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what are the pricing tiers for it?
1: Sure, so a lot of times... Um, You can pay a small subscription fee, um, especially if you go through uh, Square. Uh, We integrate directly with their e-commerce store and you pay a small subscription fee, depending on your volume, maybe 19 to 50 bucks a month. Um, But a lot of times what we do so that there is, um, you know, we like that skin in the game philosophy is a lot of times we'll give our clients the widget at no cost. You can use Ice Cream Social, and then we'll charge you 10% of any net new revenue that we drive for you, um, trackable revenue, um, because again, it depends on the cookies, cookies and pixels. And if you drive a sale after you know the pixel expired, then great, you still get that sale for free. But um, yeah, a lot of times we'll charge a percentage um, depending on your volume, um, but typically 10% is our average. So it's kind of like paying us as an affiliate almost for driving uh-huh. for you.
0: Cool, cool. So and uh, someone who is just getting started doesn't have much sales. Can they do that option where it's it's free, but the 10%? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's a great way to go about it too. For those of you listening that are not totally sure, just want to try it out, then don't worry about paying them. Just do the the free option. And if they get you a sale, then uh you'll just pay them then. Yeah. Uh, so that sounds like a great idea. I'm definitely gonna throw that on my e-commerce stores. I'm glad uh we had this discussion, uh a little Does everyone know this was my coaching call that they got to sit in on it and I'm going to (laughs) go take action on everything you talked about. So uh, really great value from you today. Ashley, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you?
1: Sure. You can visit me at C L I N E C-L-I-N-E.com.
0: Easy enough. All right. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, Derek.